Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Jesus That's Good News podcast. This is a space where we share the gospel, aka the good news, to anyone who has the vulnerability to pull up a chair at Jesus's table with no reservation needed. As you guys can tell, that is not Devin's voice. She is not with us today. She shared with us last week that she had uh, army this weekend. And the irony is, is she's literally right up the road from me today at a place called Camp Sherman. So it's really hard to be recording today knowing that she is so close and yet very far away. But nevertheless, I still managed to get a Kentuckian on the podcast today. I'm so excited, you guys. I want to introduce someone to you that I've known way too long and I just can't seem to get rid of him. It's coming up on what, uh, how many years have you and Taylor known each other? Known each other for 10. Has it been that long? Almost 10 years. Okay. So the sexy voice you just heard was my son-in-law, Jacob Wilson. And I just realized you guys have, is it a seven year anniversary coming up? In May. In May. Yeah. Good man. Taylor is actually here listening. She's going to hold him accountable if he says anything wrong. But I asked Jacob if he would come on and um, share some thoughts with me about what recently happened in Kentucky a couple weeks ago. I know with Jacob and Taylor, we kind of had boots on the ground at the Asbury Revival. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But Jacob, I want you to say hello to the Jesus That's Good News audience. And yeah, just tell us a little bit about yourself, give everyone an idea of who Jacob Wilson is, and I'm going to add commentary as I, as I feel that. Sure. Okay. You always do. I know. Um, well, my name is Jacob Wilson, as, as Julie said. I am 28 years old. I am going to be attending Indiana Wesleyan Seminary for the remainder of my seminary education. I've also attended Asbury Theological Seminary. My wife Taylor and I met at Moorhead State University. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> Go Eagles. Go Eagles. OVC champs this year, Jacob. That's right. Okay, sorry. Right. I cut in. We met through a campus ministry called the Wesley Foundation, which is the collegiate ministry extension of the United Methodist Church. And I grew up a United Methodist. My father's a United Methodist pastor. And I felt a calling towards towards ministry and kind of deciphering what that looks like. And I've been in ministry off and on for the past 10 years or so in various roles. I think even though, Jacob, when you've said off and on, I think you've always been on. I think uh, no matter whether you've been hired as, quote, a full-time pastor or not, the ministry still continues. And I just see that, I, I see that in how you and Taylor live your lives and how that ends up playing out. And you, like you said, I, I know you have a rich spiritual legacy, especially growing up as a pastor's kid, PK, right? That mm-hmm. has its own things at- attached to it. But talk to me a little bit about your life and growing up, quote unquote, I hate to say in the church, but church has always been a big part of what you do. Yeah, my spiritual quote-unquote legacy, begins really with my grandparents, Sam and Sharon Wilson. Neither one of them grew up in a church home necessarily. They weren't religious. My grandfather was uh, in the armed forces, in the Air Force. Uh, He retired from the Air Force, moved to uh, New Albany, Indiana, 
And he and my grandmother started attending uh, a church there, United Methodist Church there. Um, my father and also my mother uh, didn't grow up in church either. And um, they were they came to Christ through a, an Easter play. It was a wow. right around you know that that time of year, this time of year, the right. springtime. Yeah, uh, they saw a representation of of Christ's death and resurrection, and they knew in that moment that it was for them. So my father almost immediately felt kind of a push towards ministry. He had certain giftings, and he's a is a good speaker, good uh, author, so smart, very smart, very intelligent. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Scott Wilson, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Pastor of, what's the name of his church? Grace on the Hill in Corbin, Kentucky. There we go. So uh, he felt a call uh, to ministry and went back to seminary, went to Asbury Seminary. So yeah, I, church is all I've known. I got saved, I guess it was in middle school that I got Uh, truly kind of became a Christian, kind of took ownership of my faith for myself. I was going to ask you about that, Jacob. Like for some of our listeners, especially if they're just investigating, following Jesus and and what that life is like, you use the word saved a lot Mm -hmm. um, in just in this recent conversation. Mm -hmm. And can you talk to someone about what that vernacular would mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of Christianese. I try to, I really try to limit the amount of (laughs) Christian lingo that I use because sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's not so helpful. So when I talk about being saved, I mean, uh, it's kind of a moment in which the faith, I think, becomes real for that individual. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a moment of surrender where Mm. you ask Jesus, you know, you realize your, your brokenness, your imperfection, and you ask Jesus to forgive those, wash away all the impurities, imperfections, and you begin to uh, live for him, live in his way. You know, you start kind of walking in the way that he walked, you know, yeah. talking in the way that he talked. You kind I, of devote yourself to him. Yeah, and I, I've always kind of viewed it as recognizing a, a spiritual poverty or there's a, there's a necessity that you've... Um, there's been this longing, there's this, been this yearning for this unconditional love, this grace in your life. There's been a, a yearning for a movement within your soul. And perhaps, you know, we talk about people trying many different things. And then you start to realize that Christ is, is the one hope. He's the, the one that uh, we can count on. He's the one who loves us unconditionally. And yeah, I, I know growing up for me, I think, Jacob, all too often, I was too painfully aware of my imperfections. I grew up thinking that perhaps I would be someone that Jesus wouldn't necessarily want. And mm-hmm. so for me, getting saved was a recognition that there is someone who wants me. There is someone who loves me. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, but it is a little bit of Christianese, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of times Christians almost expect people to understand kind of what they're talking about when we talk, say, words like sin, words like repentance, words like grace. What sin is, I think a lot of times we... We try to make too much of what sin is, almost like it has to have some sort of negative, you know, negative connotation. What sin means is it's an archery term for missing the mark. If God's will is the bullseye, then anything outside of that in the yellow or in the white, if you, you know, do archery, that's sin. And that's just simply the 
the distance between where you are and where he is. And what God does is, you know, we all are outside of that naturally. We all can't get to that bullseye just because, you know, we're we're imperfect. We all have imperfections. We all have things in our life that we struggle with and we wrestle with. And when we become saved, what God does is he brings, he comes to us in the midst of all of that brokenness, whatever we struggle with, whether it be anger or lying or whatever it is, he comes to us in the midst of that brokenness and he brings us to where he is. He takes away all of the regret and shame and guilt and strips it away and we have a, we begin a relationship with him. Yeah, it's like he bridges that gap, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. bridges the gap. He allows us to kind of put on his perfection. And And that's grace, right there. That's grace. That's Absolutely. Grace. It, it, it's ironic, I think sometimes not to down the church per se as an organization or an entity. I think sometimes they have the opposite reaction, Jacob, like they would look at your your imperfections or how often you've missed the mark. And instead of bridging that gap, they kind of push, they make the gap wider. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people are, are walking away from this idea of church and or Jesus. I don't want to lump them together necessarily because I think they can be two very distinct and separate things. But I think they're interpreting a church's negative reaction and equating it with Jesus. You know, when Devin and I started this podcast, we felt like we're never wanting to um, sugarcoat the gospel per se. I think Devin and I have been, as we've talked about, painfully aware of our imperfections and how we've missed the mark. But the good news is in there, and, and you just mm-hmm. shared the good news for for so many people that that grace kind of bridges the gap and allows us to take on his goodness and all that he has for us. Yep. yep. Scripture says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So at the end of the day, we all are aware of our imperfections. The most confident. I keep a list. When you come to visit, I don't know if you know this. When I go to bed at night, Taylor's in the background here. I just wanted you to know that I, I write down everything that you did wrong, Jacob, uh-huh. during your visit. And, uh-huh. you know, the list is pretty long, but yeah, I pray over longer. it. And yeah. I, I pray for your soul quite a bit. <laughs> but no, go ahead. I'm joking. No, I'm joking. Yeah. yeah, but you said when, when we go to bed at night, all of us are painfully aware. Yeah. yeah. I think that's part of the human condition is we we understand our inconsistencies, our imperfections. Some of us are a little bit more attuned than others, I think, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, I would agree with But at the end of the day, I think we all, if we're honest with ourselves, realize that we are not perfect. Yeah. And that striving towards being perfect or towards being whole or, you know, whatever you want to call it, I think that is one of the greatest proofs of the existence of God is because yeah. we're all striving for something that we're not. Right. Um, and we can look in a lot of different directions. We can look to other individuals. Sure. Uh, oftentimes that leaves us broken because we, you know, if you strive towards somebody else, you realize that they're imperfect too. Yeah. So yeah. that ruins it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a trap. Yeah, for you sure. Know, material possessions, you know, that's that's kind of a pitfall that a lot of people fall into. Addiction. doesn't even have to be a bad thing. You know, it could be striving after things that are good but ultimately don't fully satisfy right and you know of course as christians we believe that the only time we are fully satisfied our hearts are restless until we rest in thee you know we we will never experience true peace true rest until we strive after god as you guys can tell jacob's got a little 
preaching in him. He's going to go full preacher mode here on me in just a minute because he was using the King's English. What What is that scripture reference that you were talking about just a moment ago? Yeah, it's not the scripture. It's uh, the words of St. Augustine. He says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Okay. So I want to pivot for just a second and talk about the Asbury Revival as I know you and Taylor were down there several times. And I think, Jacob, I didn't become aware of it until you had posted something on Facebook. I think it was early on in the movement, probably before it ever gathered steam. You had posted something like, in case you all aren't aware, something really big is happening in Kentucky, mm-hmm. you know, at Asbury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I found out about it. I heard rumblings about it uh, Wednesday afternoon. It started Wednesday February 8th, their normal chapel service goes from 10 a.m. to 10.50 a.m. so that they can get to their 11 a.m. classes. Sure. So it's kind of a just a short 50-minute window there. And it was probably about two or three that word kind of started trickling out through individuals. I, I had pastor friends that posting on various Facebook groups and text chains and things of that nature, worship is still going on at Asbury. Right, right. Which was interesting, you know, Asbury has a rich history of revivals, quote unquote. And we'll talk about revivals here in a second. But they have a rich history of revivals there. There was a large revival in 1950 and 1970. And they had been praying. There's there's pockets of individuals on campus and off campus, alumni, various organizations that were praying for another revival to happen. So I had heard kind of rumblings about it and people were kind of starting to question like, is this something? Is it just, you know, just an extended worship? We'll give God glory either way, but, but what is this? And so that happened Wednesday afternoon. By Wednesday night, it was still going on. And I got a phone call from a pastor friend of mine, a mentor of mine named Aaron Mansfield. And he said, you know, hey, do you know what's going on? Uh, so I got in my car. I just, I felt as if something was happening, something was stirring or whatever. So I went to, went to campus. I'm, we live about 30 minutes away from Wilmore. So I got in my car. It was about 10 p.m. And um, immediately, whenever I walked in, there was a, there was a real tangible sense of God's presence. Mm. It's kind of an indescribable thing, but I felt as if God was, was in this place. God was dwelling with these people and there was worship going on and prayer. It wasn't necessarily organized. People were praying, people were worshiping. Um, I prayed with some people for about an hour and a half. Then I got my card and, and left. I kept hearing it's still going on on Facebook, on various social media platforms is still going on. So right. I would go back. I went back every day uh, while it was going on. And it continued to pick up, kind of just pick up momentum. Yeah. You know, still going on. You know, the next day uh, we started hearing, like, there, there are people that are coming. Yeah. You know, people are coming from... I know from... right up the road here, Ohio Christian, uh-huh. uh, about 30 miles north of where I live. And, and you're telling me, you know, Ohio Christian sending people down and... You know, I'm watching videos online. I think there was a group from Clemson came mm-hmm. up, right? I mean, so mm-hmm. people were hopping in their cars and mm-hmm. catching wind and, and wanting. And I and Jacob, I think, again, if we go back to the whole Christianese idea, can you talk to people about uh, the word revival a little bit mm-hmm. and, and what you think revival means? I know that 
again, you know, sometimes when I talk about these things, I feel like I'm throwing my mom under the bus a little bit because we were raised in church and we would go to revival. But for me, it felt, it felt like, and I think maybe I was too young to appreciate it, I like to describe it as an extended guilt trip. And it was all about Taylor's laughing in the background, but it was all about you, you know, how many people can come forward to something that we call an altar call. You know, how many people can come forward and and confess their sins and how I felt like how awful a human being you were. But, I, you know, as you grow, as you mature, you start to understand that revival means something way beyond that, something so much more than that. So can we reshape maybe the definition of revival a little bit and maybe talk to people, especially if they grew up in church and have a negative connotation like I do, why revival is part of the good news? Sure. So, you know, for some people, the word revival, it doesn't carry a positive connotation for those very reasons. I think a lot of times when the negative connotations that are attached with that word are, uh, they, they come from man's attempt to kind of control it, mm, okay. make it about yeah. pride, make it about, you know, this many people got saved. Right. It becomes very numerical in a way that I don't think is very helpful. Yeah, Jesus wasn't really big on numbers, was he? No, not not like, necessarily. I mean, talking about like, hey, we had such and such that showed up, or right. I mean, that wasn't really what drove his. You don't um, see Jesus bragging over, you know, how many people came to sure to you know the wedding at Cana or the the feeding of the five thousand. Right. You know, we only know that about after the fact. Right. Right. A lot of times we see Jesus driving people away, and that's kind of a funny. Sure. Yeah. Kind of a funny uh, comparison to what we do, you know. When we when we think about like a biblical basis for for what revival is, a lot of people point to a passage in Joel. Joel is a minor prophet in the Old Testament. Uh, Joel chapter two verse twelve says, "Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning." Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord, Mm. your God, for he is gracious and merciful, Mm. slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Mm. I love that rend rend your hearts and not your garments. Yeah. Uh, In other words, um, they would tear their garments in mourning, correct? When Mm -hmm. there was a great sadness. Mm -hmm. You know, it reminds me of, I think it's in one of the Psalms where it says what the Lord desires is not necessarily sacrifice, but a broken and contrite heart. So come to him like with a heart that's been open, right? Where the good stuff can kind of get in. Right. Yeah. There was a lot of, of talk about, well, if Asbury was a true revival. Yeah. Is this really revival? And, you know, I was showing you some clips this weekend since you've been here. People (laughs) actually arguing that point. And you talk about missing the mark, Jacob. The fact that it was drawing thousands of people in. Should I not rejoice over that? And that in those thousands were people who didn't know Jesus yet, Mm -hmm. but came to know him through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The question was... Is it a true revival? I think marks of true revival, you know, Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit. So let's look at the fruit then. There we go. Of the Asbury revival. I'm digging this analogy, Jacob. Go with this. Yeah. The fruit of revival were lives changed. Check. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, how do we know lives were changed? Because a big part of, of revivals is testimony. So by testimony, what we mean, again, just people sharing their stories. Right. Okay, this is how this is how I view Jesus, or this was my relationship or non-relationship with him before. Now let me tell you how he's changed my life. Exactly. You know, this is basic testimony structure. This is what I was. Jesus came. This is what I am. Yeah. And can I put an asterisk beside that for a second, Jacob? Yeah. Like, this is who I am, and I'm still going to be imperfect in so many ways, sure. but I remain, Devin and I talk about this a lot, that we remain works in progress. Sure. And that's a, that's a <clears throat> whole other, we'll talk about that in some other podcasts, that's a whole other idea. But is there a before and after? Of course. Mm-hmm. In any relationship, there can be a before and after. And, and so testimony is talking about that before and after. Sure. So yes, I agree. So first of all, lives were changed. That's lives were changed. That's some great fruit. Yeah. 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 One of the marks of historical revivals has been kind of a decentralization. It's not necessarily planned. Okay. So um, was the Asbury revival planned? No. No. It was not. They, I could tell you with 120 million percent certainty that they did not plan anything of what happened past 10.50 a.m. on right. Wednesday, February 8th. Uh, how do I know that? Because they had zero structure in place. Yeah. Um, they were scrambling behind the scenes the entire time on what to do. They kind of rem- reminded me sometimes of the disciples asking Jesus, like, what are we going to do with all these people? <laughs> yeah. You know, Because literally when I say that there were... 20,000 people in a town of 5,000. I mean that. You yeah, know. you guys shared pictures of me like you were waiting miles behind in your car. Like Wilmore, is, there's not like there's multiple entries into the city, correct? Mm-hmm. Like there's just a couple main drags. Or there's two stoplights in the quote-unquote city of Wilmore. Most people wouldn't even call it a city, right? There is a subway that is the only franchise <laughs> in the city of Wilmore. There's an IGA and a gas station. Yeah. Gas station's called Cluckers. <laughs> so if you didn't have the university there, Wilmore would be a blip on the map. There'd be, it'd be nothing. Just be a drive through Yes, it'd okay. be nothing. And even even with a seminary and one of the largest Wesleyan universities in the United States, if not the world, even with both of those institutions, it's still nothing. I right. mean, and they kind of like it that way. Right. When my dad went to uh, to seminary, uh, he said that the seminary president, his name was Maxie Dunham, came to the, the microphone and he said, welcome to Asbury Seminary, seven miles from any known sin. You know, they like <laughs> to be kind of separated from that's kind of the quote unquote world. You know, yeah. We can talk about whether that's good or not good uh, on, a, on a different podcast or whatever. I think the the heart of it is you know they want your time in Wilmore as a student to be free from distraction sure so you know, so we were yeah good. and so we were talking about how you said a lot of times um, the people behind the scenes were like the disciples and wondering what do we do now or right. like yeah, what are we gonna do so you had so first of all you had something that was um, uh, lives were changed good fruits secondly yeah. you know that it was totally it was not planned yeah unplanned decentralized there wasn't really a, a structure going into it and i don't want to say that structure is a bad thing but you know it's it's pretty obvious when you have none of that in place and god moves in spite of it in ways that you couldn't you yeah. know yeah yeah if they would have yeah. planned all of this right. it wouldn't have gone as well as it did right so. And I did admire too. It seemed it be, it became a nationwide phenomenon, and so you have uh, news channels reporting on it. You have Carrie Job, one of the great 
contemporary Christian singers doing a drive-through and, and kind of appearing, but they, you know, she, she's not allowed to come and manipulate the the service, so to speak. Um, right. And so right. they kind of shied away from any anything that would bring glitz and glamour to it, yes. and they just kind of kept it real, for lack of a better word. Yep. They said from the stage multiple times, there's no celebrities here but Jesus. No, no, I like that. Yeah. There's, this isn't about... He's the focus. ...platform. It isn't about... A following, thing like that. No celebrities but Jesus. And very ecumenical from what I gathered. You had um, everyone from Baptists to Catholics to Assembly of God to you name it. And a denomination was kind of represented there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's another, you know, that leads me very well to the next fruit of revival is unity. You know, I Mm. think that a spirit of unity is what the spirit gives yeah if you look at what jesus prayed for in the garden he could have prayed and asked god for anything for his church but he prayed for unity that they would be all one one. that's right as we are one as that's right yeah he gives and we can get into the theology of it but god gives us a great gives us a great example of unity in the trinity god the father god the son god the holy spirit they all know their roles they're all working together for a common cause and so like the fruit of the church, one of those would have to be unity. Yeah. When God's people are united. Right, right. Good things Good, good things, things happen. happen. Yeah, for everyone. Another fruit, I think, of, of revival is simplicity. Mm. Because there wasn't a whole lot of planning necessarily or no planning that went into it. Uh, uh, simplicity is, I think it gives God plenty of room to do whatever he's going to do. Yeah. So they had a loose structure. They had times of testimony. They had times, there were some times of teaching. There was times of worship, of course, uh, times of silence. But they, they had kind of a loose, simple structure and it gave plenty of room for for God to move. So Jacob, with all that fruit that's been produced, and there's so much more than, that we could talk about that, that was produced by that Asbury revival. For you personally, I know you went down there nearly every day that you could get down there and it lasts how long did it last in total so it started on february the 8th it lasted two weeks for 24 7 so i know there was a reason you were going back every day i mean you said straight up that you could feel the presence of god when you kind of walked into the arena not arena but walked into the the -hmm. church and I, i imagine it was permeating the entire campus but what effect has this had on you post-revival? What what are you carrying from that? Has it revived something in you? And what kind of fruit has it produced in your life? Yeah, I think one of the fruit that it produced in me is repentance. I felt as if God was calling me to lay down um, some things in my own life. Mm. I struggled with some church hurt. Oh, and heaven. Jacob... I'm not trying to steal your thunder on that, but yeah. I think anyone who's been around the church for a while has experienced that. But folks, I'm going to tell you something that Jacob as a pastor and Taylor together have experienced uh, some ridiculous church hurt. And um, I think we're going to talk with Taylor sometime in the future about about that. But I know that, that when you say I've experienced church hurt, it goes so much deeper than just those words. So you felt like, I'm sorry, I hijacked your story, Jacob, but feeling that maybe God was asking you to lay that down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Kind of give that to him. And it's not so much, 
You know, when I say give that to him, it's not like saying it doesn't matter, but giving right. it to the one that knows right. all about the hurt that yes. religion can give people. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus was nailed to the cross by, you know, wackos. He was nailed to the cross by religious people. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. So he knows all about church hurt. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so he reminded me of my call. It's not that I had forgotten it. It's not that I had. I've been kind of shying away from it a little bit, but he reminded me of the call that he has on my life um, towards vocational ministry. He kind of impressed upon my heart. An act of simple obedience was going back and completing my master's, going back and completing my graduate studies. You know, God doesn't just say, give us these broad strokes necessarily of, you know, you shall do this. I think sometimes he just gives us acts of simple obedience. Do this. You know, yeah. Impresses on your heart. Take this step. Right. He doesn't necessarily give us the full aerial thirty thousand foot view. Sometimes yeah. he just yeah. says, "Take this step." You know, last in last week's uh, podcast, Jacob, we talked about how Jesus said to the disciples after the feeding of the five thousand, "Get in the boat. Go get in the boat exactly. and and go to the other side." Mm-hmm. And in the midst of being obedient, there was a storm that came. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things we impressed upon people last week was that even in obedience, sometimes it's going to be a little rocky. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But he's made it very specific. So mm-hmm. I hope you have that clarity. I want that for you. Yeah. 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 So gave me that. Um, gave me encouragement, I think, was a big part of, of, of what he gave me um, in the midst of all, of all of that. I was really encouraged. My heart was really encouraged. I bought a notebook and wrote down what happened each day. Yeah. To keep, you know, I think anytime, anytime you have an experience like that, anytime you have an experience of, you know, you're like, man, God moved. You need to write it down. Yeah. You need to record it because for a couple different reasons. One, you know, the mountaintop doesn't last forever. Right. The, you know, the enemy will try to convince that, you know, that didn't really happen. That, right. It wasn't you know. as real as what you thought it right. was. Yeah. You were just, yeah. you were just riding a, a wave. A, an of, emotional wave. Right, sure. Right. Yeah. Endorphin high or right. whatever. That didn't really happen. God didn't really speak to you. You don't really need to do that. You know, I talked about step of simple obedience. You don't really need to do that. Right. Right. You know, maybe he didn't do that. Maybe you should stop. And, right. And so writing those things down helps. Yeah. Because then you can go back and say, no, you know, I know when I wrote this down, I know that that is what happened. So and you know, I really felt I really felt a reviving, a refreshing. And, you know, Devin and I talk about the ripple effect. And I can only imagine the ripple effect. So this affected you in a certain way. Now multiply that by thousands, mm-hmm. right? And the impact that this simple act of obedience by the individuals at Asbury mm-hmm. and just kind of following their heart and going with worship. I mean, look at the ripple effects of that. It's mm-hmm. just incalculable. And it's beautiful. So my prayer for you, Jacob, is that you would just continue to to be experiencing that fruit, that you would live in that joy that you experienced during that day and or during all those days, all those times that you went. And I mean, people are going to benefit from this revival in your heart and in your life. And that's, you know, that is that is the ultimate. God does not move on people's hearts and people's lives in a way and then just expect you to hold it in. Yeah. It's always it's be, about yeah. outward. And and again, that's why we started this podcast. You know, we know that this podcast doesn't appeal necessarily to everyone, but we're hoping that by sending the good word out that it changes someone else's life. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. One and of my so, favorite scriptures is in Revelation. It says that spirit of testimony is spirit of prophecy. 
So when we testify to God's goodness, what that does is that tells other people that God can move in them too. Yeah. And that is an ultimate encouragement. And I'll tell you what, Jacob, that's perfect. That is some good news that I can get behind. That's good news. Jesus. That, that is Jesus. That's some really, really good news. So Jacob and I could go on talking forever, but I got to kick, I got to kick his butt out and send him back to Kentucky here in just a little bit. Actually, you guys are going to be meeting with uh, some friends Uh, A friend of yours from India where you and Taylor did some mission work. I'm excited for your afternoon for that. But thank you so much, Jacob, for sitting down and just sharing uh, your rich rich history with us and our listeners. And I hope that um, through your words that even more fruit will be produced in the name of God. So with that said, friends, you can always check us out on our Facebook page. Try to keep that updated for you guys. So, yeah, if you have any thoughts or comments, please feel free to share next week. Hopefully Devin will be back. Not that you were a letdown, Jacob, but hopefully Devin will be back and we'll be sharing some more really good news with you. Um, It just seems really foreign to do this without her, but Jacob, you were a pretty good stand-in today. That's right. So well done. You know, you both are from Kentucky. Yep. So I'll give you a little break there on that one, but... Me and Devin Bruce. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) There you go. So my friends, on behalf of Jacob and myself and Devin, who is um, serving her country today and this weekend, here's to the good news. May we be it. May we seek it. And more than anything, may we spread it. So pull up a seat, friends. There's no reservation needed. Be well.